Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I stood gazing at the mountain. Refreshed by the falling rain, thy yellow reminds me of sunlight, the red of crimson sail. Someday I'd like 
to meteor dust and shake his talented hand and one day shall our glory with him in that promised land. What will worship look like in the life after this one? Now, I mean, personally, I think that's a great question because I think it's it's a one that we can think about and, you know, try to imagine what it will look like. We see that people from even long, long ago have really thought about this and looked forward to what the life after this one is going to look like. For example, in Hebrews chapter 11, this whole chapter is full of great men and women of faith. But in Hebrews 11 verses 8 through 10, we read about Abraham. And we see there, for by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in the foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. We see that even Abraham, thousands of years later, I mean, he's uh, some 2,000 years uh, before the time of Christ. So he's like 4,000 years in, uh, in history from us. And he was looking forward to this city whose builder and whose architect was God. Now, I don't know exactly what this worship is going to look like in the life after this one. But I do think that we can see certain images, certain glimpses here and there in the scriptures. And it's always a beautiful picture. Well, let's take a closer look at this, this city that Abraham was looking forward to, this new Jerusalem, as it's called in the book of Revelation. Let's see together. Revelation 21, verses 17 through 21. It's a very beautiful description, and I, I want you to kind of maybe try to imagine what this possibly could have looked like. This is John as he experienced it. He records, The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. Twelve gates were twelve pearls, each, made, uh, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I mean, this is an absolutely beautiful description. And you see all these stones and and for some of you, you know, those stones might mean something. At least some of those stones probably uh, bring to mind something, uh, some type of image. And then uh, really each of these stones, as you start to look at them, there's all these different types of colors. And I'm not going to get into great detail about what each one of those stones are because, well, you know, sometimes the uh, identifying those exact stones, they're a little uh, uncertain about, well, is it, is it this kind or is it that kind? And, but that's kind of missing the point. Because the whole point is, this is the description of all these beautiful stones. Now, I actually have 
uh, here at the, the church building in my office, uh, I've got uh, some collection of these stones that I have. Now, they're just really small and they fit in the palm of my hand, but I'm going to try to show them to you. I don't know how well you can exactly see them, but, you know, I'm sure that you can see some of those different colors that, that would be displayed. I mean, could you imagine what this foundation of the city would look like to have greens like, oh, here, there we are, to have greens like this. I mean, to have an actual foundation of, of something, some stone like that, it would have been beautiful. Or like this right here, kind of almost a little bit of a translucent color. I mean, the, these are these are different uh, different stones that we have that are being described right there. But I mean, it would have been absolutely beautiful to see all the different the different colors that are mentioned here. And all of these stones are mentioned as this foundation. Now, I didn't have uh, any pearls and I didn't have any uh, actual gold in those, but those are other images that are used. Basically, kind of this is a description of, of some of the most beautiful uh, stones and some of the most beautiful things that, that we have here on this earth that are all put together in one place. This is to show us that this new Jerusalem is going to be so beautiful beyond what we can even imagine. And this description here that we, that we get is not just about physical beauty. It goes even beyond that physical beauty into kind of what the spiritual beauty would look like. And we also get a glimpse as to how worship is going to be. Now, I know sometimes we kind of have it uh, in our minds that, that all that we're going to do in the, in the life that is to come is just be around the throne of God and just worship him all the time. And there might be a lot of that that goes on, but you know, whenever we look at the descriptions in, in the Bible, what we actually see is there are these angelic beings that surround the throne and all the time, 24-7, they are just praising and worshiping God. But yet, it kind of seems like with us as humans, it's going to be a little different than that. Now, that being stated, God is most certainly worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. And there will be a lot of that that goes on. Now, let's take a look at some of that together. The next few verses in Revelation 21, verses 22 through 27 now. John writes the best that he could, this description. He says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, as we look at this passage here in, in, in Revelation, you know, you, you might say that I talk about this, this a lot because I, I love this description. And I think this is one of the most beautiful things that we see. You know, the last two chapters of Revelation, we really see how this story about everything that God is doing from the very beginning, how it all comes together and how we see that everything starts to make a lot more sense. That this is why God did everything that he did along the way in order to get here, to give us this description of what's going on. You know, at one point in, in times past, God asked that a temple in the form of the tabernacle be, be constructed so that God would dwell among his people. 
Well, here in this passage, we see in this future city, this kind of uh, city whose builder and whose architect is God himself, this new Jerusalem, as it was described here earlier in this chapter, this city, John didn't see a temple. Why didn't he see a temple? Well, he didn't see a temple because the Lord God and the Lamb, they are its temple. We see that God's dwelling place, it's now among the people. He doesn't need a temple in order to just, you know, kind of come and, and dwell in that location. No, his location is right there in the midst of his own people. That is the, the beauty of what this, this, uh, this city is described here as. We also find out something that uh, we might easily read over, and that is, did you notice that it's not just about Israel? It's described as the New Jerusalem. But it's this new Jerusalem because this is where the name of God is. And we also find out that it's it's not just about Israel, not just about one nation. But in verse 24, we see that it's described as the nations. So the nations are coming to it. And the nations are also described in verse 26. I mean, do you notice that this is now gone, this story about what God is doing in the world? It's gone beyond just Jerusalem. It's gone beyond just Israel. It's gone into all of these different nations. In fact, even if you look back and you, you notice and pay close attention to what Israel was supposed to be doing, they were supposed to be a light to the nations. They were supposed to be leading the way to God and showing everybody else, saying, hey, let's all come together and let's all worship God. They didn't always do that. But that's still what the nation was called to be. It was called to be this one that led the way, that showed all the other nations how to do it. And here in the end, we find out that all nations are going to be able to come to God. They are going to be able to be with God. God will be with his people no matter what nation they were a part of here on this earth. And we also find out another description here that's, that's, uh, that's mentioned. We see in verse 27 that nothing impure is ever going to enter into it. What, what is the most pure location on earth that you can possibly think of you know many of us have probably gone to like you know some type of a vacation spot or maybe you know we just kind of uh maybe we like uh going to to the beach and to seeing just all the the beauty of what god has done here on this earth maybe you like going into the woods and to be able to hear all the wildlife around us and to be able to see the beauty of what god has constructed another thing that I really like and I, I think is a very interesting uh, place to go is inside caves. I, and there's a lot of caves around here in Kentucky, but those caves just kind of show a very interesting uh, part of the earth and kind of like what's underneath the earth. All of this is part of God's creation. There's so many different places here on this earth that are very beautiful, that seem to us as if they are pure. But yet right here we see this description. In this city, there's going to be nothing that is impure. That also goes for people as well. You know, we as people, we will not be impure. See, nothing impure can enter into it. Now, how can that possibly be? Because, you know, we look at, we look at how we are right now. And we look at how even if we are Christians, we still sin. How can we possibly be pure? We can be pure because this is part of the story of God. This is exactly what Jesus Christ did by dying on the cross to actually cleanse us from our sins. And that cleansing can be a very beautiful thing and it can be a very complete thing. 
We can see that our names can be written in this Lamb's Book of Life. One day, we can be able to experience life like it was in Eden. I mean, that's how the description goes on. Let's keep reading and let's see that description. Now in chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, notice this language like the Garden of Eden. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will not need light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And in this passage right here, we see so many things that are mentioned back with all the way in the book of Genesis with the Garden of Eden. Now, one thing to keep in mind about the Garden of Eden back in Genesis, that the Garden of Eden, you know, Eden was a certain location. And then even within Eden, there was this, this garden. So, you know, this garden was this, this small place that was located somewhere on earth. Now, the, the importance about what that location was, that, that's not as much important. What I'm just saying is, that this Garden of Eden, it was one small location on earth. But yet in this language it's used of Revelation 22, what we see is an entire city is going to be like this Garden of Eden. Or if you want to kind of look at it this way, I think the description we can find here is it's not just about the city of the New Jerusalem. It's about this new heavens, this new earth. All things are being made new. And we see, yes, New Jerusalem, but all of these statements, it's kind of like the whole earth will one day be like Eden. That's the type of description that we get because all of these images, we see this life. We see the water of life. We see also this tree of life. We see so much life here in this. We also see the images of light. And, and these are things that we saw uh, back in Genesis as well with the garden. We see this light that, that is given here. This light comes from God himself. You remember how God even visited Adam and Eve in the garden? Now, could you imagine what it would be like to every day be able to be in the presence of God and to walk with God? Well, you don't have to just imagine it because one day you can experience it in this whole earth that's like Eden, so to speak. Now, of course, I'm speaking about these these kind of, you know, spiritual matters in the in the uh, physical terms. And yeah, that can be kind of difficult for us. But let's recognize that these are pointing towards some great reality. And this is the best way that we could possibly understand it. Because God is, is patient with us. And he's trying to communicate how great it will be one day to be with him. And he is using language that we can understand. Using you know the best stones that we can think of. The, the best everything that we can think of here on this earth. That's all in one location. This life. This light. And here actually in verse 5. I've been talking about this story of God and how this story leads to this point. Well, in verse five, this is actually where, if you want to kind of say, you know, the, the narrative of the story of the Bible, it actually ends. This is how it is. It's kind of like, you know, we're used to uh, a good story uh, ending with, and they lived happily ever after. Well, 
that's almost kind of how uh, that the Bible does end. But yet the Bible is this this true story. It's not just some fairy tale, but it has this this true ultimate ending where it says there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. That's what God has invited us, humanity, to take part in, to, to reign with God forever and ever, just like what he tried to, to get Adam and Eve to do at the beginning. Now, they chose to do things a different way, of course, but he, he invited them to name the animals, to live with him, to, to rule over these things, to reign. And we see that in the, in the uh, final chapter of the Bible, that's what all uh, of humanity is going to, be do, uh, going to be able to do with God. And that is that reign with him forever and ever. It's a wonderful description. It's the best description that we can think of. But you know, even after the story kind of ends right here, there's quite a few more verses in this chapter. Uh, let's keep reading just a few more of those verses together. Let's look at verses 6 through 9. Now the narrative story has already ended, but yet now we see there's a call to action. Now we are called to worship God and to serve Him. Notice these words here. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard, when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. So as we look here and as we think about what worship will be like in this new Jerusalem, we will be right there with God. God will be right there with us. We see this call to worship God. We see this call to serve God, to serve him alone above all else. That's this call that we're left with in the Bible. That's the call that we still are supposed to remind one another about, encourage one another with these beautiful descriptions of what we have to look forward to, and especially that description of the life and the light that we can experience by being followers of God and being with him forever, being connected with the, the one who is this author of all life. That's a beautiful description, and we know it to be true. And we know it's something that we can all experience if we just worship God, both in this life and in the life that is to come. There's a model of heaven down here below. It's a picture of glory sublime. With the glorious body of Christ our dear Lord, live here on creation of thine. Our Savior has given the sweet sacrifice for a bit and sinful old tree. You hung between heaven and earth, my dear Lord. Increase my devotion to Thee. The beauty down here, it just gives us a glimpse of lovely and marvelous scenes. 
That heavenly city is calling me home, that wonderful place of my God. Our Savior has given the sweet sacrifice, what a bitter and sinful old tree. You hunger between heaven and earth, my dear Lord, increase my devotion to What a reunion we'll have that glad day, the face of our God we'll all see. Those loved ones we'll hold in our arms once again, in that wonderful place of our God. Our Savior has given us sweet sacrifice, what a bitter and sinful old tree. You hung there between heaven and earth, my dear Lord, increase my devotion to Thee. The church is that model of heaven for me, I love to be with them and sing. The word to proclaim it delights my poor heart, and we show how the lost may be free. Our Savior has given the sweet sacrifice, what a bitter and sinful old tree. You hung there between heaven and earth, my dear Lord, increase my devotion.